hit me. Hi, and welcome to the VR Gaming Podcast, podcast about VR gaming, VR news, VR hardware, and VR reviews. I'm your host, Nick Lane. It's going to be back to you guys bringing the uh, episode number four. It's been about two weeks. I think last time that I connected with everybody, I was headed to an event called Replay FX, which meant I was without VR for a while. But you know what? Uh, I'm an addict, so I uh, failed to mention that I have an Oculus Go, which I brought down with me to the event. So while I'm, I'm driving down in the car, obviously I'm not driving, I'm the passenger. While I'm a passenger in the car, I had my Oculus Go on and I had my phone um, tethered to it. So I was in the car with VR on and I was watching VR videos on YouTube, like basically VR reviews. Um, a lot of the stuff on index because I've been checking in and kind of keeping on top of what's going on with the index. So, you know, even though I'm not home, thank God for the go because it's uh, great for consuming media and I can uh, uh, feed my addiction. Anyways, the uh, the pinball competition was good. I did okay, but I did well enough to win a few hundred dollars, which was basically my entry fee, which that money's going towards VR in some way, shape, or form. So it was all good. And uh, when I got back, I quickly got my fix. And in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, some games that I enjoyed playing, one of them was Red Matter, which I'm going to be reviewing in this podcast. And uh, what else did I play? I actually got back into Skyrim last night. It's been at least three months, I think, since I loaded up Skyrim. It's just, I love that game. It's just a lot to bite off. And what can happen is you can fall into playing that game and then just don't play any other VR games. I mean, honestly, you can go and buy VR just to play Skyrim. It's that good, and it's that engrossing, but then you don't play other games. So I hop back in, and it's crazy because it's been a while, and I know it's cool in there. I know the immersion's good graphic-wise and and this huge environment and this realistic environment, Uh, but as soon as it loaded up, I was like, whoa, this I forgot how good it looked. Even though it's only been three months, that's how good that game is. I love Skyrim. Uh, I've been playing Space Junkies still. I find that that's my go-to game when I have like 15 minutes. I'll hop into Space Junkies. And usually I don't have a problem finding games. Although last night I couldn't find one in the 5 or 10 minutes I was waiting. But then just the night before I was playing six-player matches. So who knows with that. Um, Not so much Pavlov. I played that a little bit. I know that's one of my favorites. Uh, I played Final Assault little bit and during the steam summer sale like i grabbed like a ton of games back in july and one of them was a chair in the room um i've been wanting to play that game i've been curious about that game it came out way back in 2016 i guess there's a remastered version of that but a chair in the room is sort of like this this horror game that's less on jump scares and more on atmosphere and i think i'm like halfway through that so uh, there will be a review at some point of that, but I wanted you guys to give you kind of an overview of how I spend my time in VR. And of course, Racket NX. I love Racket NX. There was actually just an update I saw on Twitter today. They added two new sets, and basically sets are sort of like the, uh, I don't know, the, the levels or the maps or the configurations that you play on. And they did some things with multiplayer crossplay and fixed some bugs and balancing issues. So good on them for uh, continuing to work on the game. I love that game. That's a little overview, but uh, without further ado, 
Enough of the small talk. Let's jump into the news. What's happened in the last two weeks? Well, in my mind, here are the newsworthy events that I, I feel is worth bringing up, and I'll provide a little bit of commentary on them. So the first event, and today is very timely because No Man's Sky VR released today. So what it is, if you have No Man's Sky, it's just a patch that you download. That's pretty awesome. And it just so happens that if you don't have the game, it's half off right now. The, the normal price is, I guess, $59.99. It's right now $29.99 on Steam until August 22nd. So if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what No Man's Sky is, it's like uh, it came out in 2016. There was some... Well, there was some issues with it because it kind of failed to live up to some of the promises that were made around the game. Um, it wasn't a VR game, but it came out on on all platforms, console, PC, etc. And it was sort of like this, oh, you can do anything. It's a procedurally generated huge universe. Um, but it was sort of like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in it, but there's no real game here kind of criticisms. It's not a game that is interesting to me. Like, it's not a game that I go for. For, for my intention purposes. Um, that's not to say it's a good or bad game. It's just not my cup of tea. But over time, my understanding is that they've fixed the game and they kind of brought it up to what it really should be. And a lot of people love this game. And why I'm highlighting this and starting the news off with this is that it's a huge game. It could be the biggest game in VR because of how many people play No Man's Sky and, and the sort of the positive reception now with No Man's Sky. So it dropped today, PSVR, Rift, Vive, no word on the quest. I don't, they haven't said they're making quests or not. We'll see. Uh, it's probably graphically intense. So that might present some challenges. And again, it's not a game I'm going to get or play, so you're not going to see a review. I can tell you I was curious about it and I was just looking up some things on online and I guess people are, are struggling to get it to run well. Um, they're saying it's not optimized well. People with like really good PC gaming rigs, it's just not running that great from a frame perspective, which is too bad because this game is the kind of game that people have gone out and bought VR headsets for. They love this game, and this is the game that made them get into VR and like VR. So even though this is a game that doesn't appeal to me per se, I'm championing it. I want it to do well because it's a gateway drug for many people for VR. So hopefully they get these these problems worked out and they get it running smooth because you don't want the naysayers, you know, the, this crowd in there, the VR is a gimmick, blah, 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 saying, see, it doesn't work well in VR. VR is a fad. It's going to fail, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, those people suck. <laughs> but anyways, I, I wish them the best. Hopefully they kind of figure out and optimize it. It's sort of like when Fallout came out, there were issues with it, and I guess it got better over time, but it could certainly hurt the reputation of a game. But with so many people getting it and the fact that this company has been committed to making it better over time, I'm sure I'm sure they'll get there. I'm, I'm op- optimistic about that. All right, another news. The HTC Cosmos, which is another headset VR headset that is due for launch this year I guess they're saying quarter three so next couple months I guess um this is a good year I said this before it's a good year for VR and good year for VR headsets I mean it's nice to have these options so HTC Vive if you're not familiar um I should say sorry HTC if you're not familiar they came out with the Vive in 2016 
think it was January 2018, they came out with the Vive Pro, which was more or less, uh, it was an upgraded headset, but it was built essentially, or I want to say marketed, but it was built for the professional market, maybe like high-end VR arcades or in the, in the workplace, even though I don't know. There's sort of like some cross branding for gaming, but that was for their like professional line. And now the HTC Cosmos is their newest headset. And this is uh, geared more towards gamers and information is kind of slowly leaking out about it. Um, We still just have basic, basic information about it. One thing that leaked a week or two ago was the fact that there's a UK retailer and they mistakenly put it up for sale on their website and the price on that was 700 pounds. So, you know, HTC said it's going to be less than, I think, $900 uh, or less than $1,000, something like that. So a lot of people are saying this is probably the price it's going to come in at. HTC is not confirming. So might have another headset out this year. It's That's likely. They're saying quarter three. It might be $700. And here's some other specs. It's a 2880 by 1700 for 90 hertz LCD screen with inside-out tracking. So HTC is hopping on this bandwagon that Windows Mixed Reality is doing, Oculus is doing, and now HTC is doing with inside-out tracking. That means that the cameras for tracking your controllers and your position in the room are on the headset itself and not external base stations. Again, it's seeming that external base stations are going the way of the dinosaur, even though the Valve Index is still using it. It makes it easier to have inside-out tracking for setting up in rooms and portability, but it's typically not as, well, typically, it's not as good as um, outside base station tracking, right? It just, there's blind spots when the cameras are on the, the headset. However, this has six cameras, which is one more than the uh, Rift S, and it's actually, you know, four more than the Windows Mixed Reality devices, which only have two. Then again, Windows Mixed Reality pioneered this back in 2017. So we'll see if they catch up and continue to do that. I hope that they do because I do like their their ecosystem, or I should say at least their platform, or at least I do like Windows Mixed Reality and sort of the affordability that they offer and also the uh, fact that other partners can hop in on that and you have your choice of headset. So... We'll see. I don't. I don't know how I feel about the HTC Cosmos. I'm not, you know, dying to see the release, or I don't see myself purchasing it based on that. I'm not stoked about LCD panels in headsets because of issues with uh, black levels. You know, there's games I like to play sometimes. Not I'm not a huge horror gaming guy, but if I'm playing a game and it's nighttime. I want it to be dark, or if I'm in a dark room, I want it to be dark. I don't want it to be gray. That, I think, to me, kills the immersion almost more than uh, many other things out there. And I never knew this. I never knew this until I uh, went from uh, Lenovo Explorer to the OLED, which had LCD, to the OLED displays on on the Samsung Odyssey. I realized how important it is to have good black levels and how more immersive it can be. So... We will see with the Cosmos. I'm sure we'll be talking about that more. I like the fact that there's another headset out there, that there's more competition. Their controllers looks like they're going with the touch controllers for Oculus Rift, which everybody seems to love the touch controllers. So good move, HTC. You know, when in doubt, copy something that works. Why not? Uh, that's, that's that's coming up with the Cosmos. Maybe a few months we'll, we'll talk more. We'll see. Probably won't get it, but it's early to say.
another cool thing in the news, and this was uh, this was from Road to VR. They're talking about the Void. The Void is um, location-based VR. There's a number of these around the country, and it's sort of like legit VR that you cannot. I hate saying the word legit, but it's VR that, or it's an experience in VR that you can't replicate in your home. So this is what's interesting to me. See, there's VR arcades or cafes that you can go to, and a lot of these ones that people have opened, they're just using like an HTC Vive or something, something that you can buy in your home, even though most people don't have uh, computing hardware, don't have a VR set, set up. So they'll get to experience it out there in the public by just renting it, paying, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks an hour, something like that. But for us at home that own uh, VR and own headsets, we're not attracted to the places that are, are kind of simplistically using things that the consumer can buy. That's not the void. The void is is a serious state-of-the-art VR deal. Let me read to you what um, Road to VR says about it. Okay, so the article states, and I quote, the void offers multi-user VR experiences where players wear headsets and backpacks while physically walking around a stage, which is layered with the virtual reality experience. Real haptics like shaking floors, gusts of wind, and even smells are used to increase immersion, end quote. So this looks really cool. Adding to that coolness factor is that they've gone out and they've licensed uh, real properties, films, IP, etc. So uh, th- there's a Star Wars experience, there's a Wreck-It Ralph experience, a Ghostbusters experience, and it looks like a original world one called Nicodemus, Nicodemus, whatever, which is um, a horror experience. And they've also hinted at doing Marvel experiences in the future, which makes sense given that Star Wars is Disney and they're already working with Disney on that. So this seems really cool. I'm fortunate enough that uh, I'm in Buffalo, New York, and Buffalo is an hour and a half from Toronto, and Toronto has one of these. So at some point, by the end of the year, hopefully, I'll, I'll, I'll find a chance to get up there and try it out. I really want to see what it's all about. Um, these are experiences, from what I can tell you, actually kind of walk around the environment. If the game calls for having a gun, you'll have like a laser or blaster, not just a controller. Um, you know, there's if there's a wall in the game, there's really a wall in that environment or what they refer to as a stage. So this is a very, very cool idea. This is where public VR needs to go to. This is the kind of like the real deal. So um, the good news with that and the reason that this article exists is that they're introducing 25 new locations around the world. So really good news. It sounds like they're doing well enough that more are coming into existence. I looked it up to see exactly what the price is. And the one in Toronto is $34.95, and that's in Canadian dollars. So if you want to convert that to U.S., be my guest. Google's your friend. Um, I've heard it's, I don't know, like maybe a 10 or 12-minute experience. It's not super long, but from you know some people that I know who've done it, they said it's well worth it, and they speak highly of it. So if you're fortunate enough to have it in your area or you're traveling to some place that has the void, and you like VR, definitely check it out. Sounds like a unique experience that you can do. You can just do a search for The Void and it will will show up and we'll show where all the locations are for that. Also in the news a couple weeks ago, uh, Valve announced that they're canceling their virtual link adapter accessory for the Index. So this is not going to affect too many people. Uh, I won't spend too much time on it. It doesn't change my life for for better or for worse. 
but essentially there was a link that Valve was making um, which kind of condenses instead of having two or three cords going to your computer from the headset it puts it all into one cord which then gets plugged into video cards so when I was shopping for a computer last October um, the new video cards had just come out the the GTX uh, 2000 series and I had been waiting for those video cards to come out before purchasing a new computer and I knew that the um, the 2080 I got had a, an adapter for these like uh, virtual links so that was a selling point to me at the time. Now, unfortunately, with Valve not supporting it and no other companies that I know supporting it, could be wrong there. It just seems like not a big deal at this point. Valve kind of released a statement. Just to summarize, they were just saying that they, they, they tried to get it to work and it just wouldn't work consistently well, so they didn't want to release a product like that into the, out into the market, which, good on them. So they did a couple of good things. Um, they communicated with people, let them know uh, that it's not happening. And they also explained why, and they were honest, and they didn't ship a product that they're then scrambling to fix. And they also had uh, been taking pre-orders on it, and they gave some Steam credit to people whose orders that they had to refund. So good on them. That's a, that's a good move. Now hopefully they can do something with the uh, controllers that they're still having problems with. All right, and last but not least in VR gaming news, uh, there was an article on Road to VR. You guys can tell I like that website. Um, by the way, sign up for their uh, daily emails. Uh, you'll get an email. I think it hits my email box like 3 o'clock every day. Fantastic, and that's a good way of keeping up with the news. Uh, Rift and Rift S now account for half of headsets on Steam. So Steam will do a survey, I believe it's once a month, and uh, they're able to tell from that survey what headsets people are using. It's not foolproof because when they do the survey, the headsets have to be plugged in, so... Not everybody has their plugs, headsets plugged in at all times, or maybe they're not plugged in when they're doing the survey, etc. But it at least gives you a rough idea that you know Rift and Oculus um, are really starting to get a share of the market in the VR market. You know they're competing against HTC, of course, that's the other big player, but they also have in their uh, Windows Mixed Reality, which is like I think last I looked with this survey, it was like nine, nine, ten percent, something around there. So not huge, but you know, Oculus has positioned themselves to win because they have a headset that's plug and play, name brand, name recognition of Oculus, right? People still have no idea what the hell Windows Mixed Reality is or that it's even VR. Even enthusiasts might not know that. Uh, so you've got Rift S for PC at three ninety nine plug and play versus the Index, which is $1,000, or versus, I don't know, HTC Vive, which came out in 2016 and is dated technology, which is, I think it's, I think they're still selling it for like $500. So uh, they are positioned to increase that market share unless something radically different happens. And with the fact that Oculus just released their headset this year, we're not going to probably see anything new from a, a PC headset for, I, I don't know, two years is probably a good guess. We're not going to see a new headset from Valve for two years. The Cosmos will enter the marketplace, so maybe that will help HTC regain some of that. And then Windows Mixed Reality, I don't see huge growth unless they announce sort of Windows Mixed Reality 2.0. And now there's new headsets on the market that are going to get grab the attention of people like me who have not jumped into the index but want to upgrade from what we have. That's a good opportunity right there. So fingers crossed. I'm still holding out hope for Samsung to release uh, another headset 
whether it's for Windows Mixed Reality or if it's for Steam, because I do like their OLED panels. They've got this down. Um, they got this down pat. That's what's keeping me, by the way, from really pulling the trigger on Index, because number one, I want Index to fix their problems, which I've mentioned before. But it's it's the LCD panel, the the black levels. I man, I'm gonna. Here's what's gonna happen. I might get Index sometime, maybe when they fix their quality control or the price level comes down. But I'm going to have to at least keep the Samsung Odyssey because when I play a, a game that's like a horror game and it's darker or there's games at night, I don't want to use an immersion-killing headset in those situations like Index is. And I'm sure Rift S has the same problems because it's an LCD panel. I'm sure Cosmos will have the same problem because it's an LCD panel. So, you know, unfortunately, there's trade-offs with all these headsets. There's not one magic bullet and one obvious answer. All right, that's going to do it for the news. Before we get to the review of Red Matter, and one of the reasons I want to review that game is because it's coming out for Oculus Quest tomorrow. Uh, before we get to that, there was a good video that I watched on YouTube recently, and it's on the YouTube channel called Eric for President. really like his VR videos because um, he'll take a subject and, and kind of share his thoughts on it, and it's usually within 10 minutes. So it's, it's nice, digestible, bite-sized. You don't have to dedicate an hour to watching a video to get to the point he's succinct he's well thought out so so kudos to him doubt he's listening but there you go man um he had an uh a video about like basically people saying that they want to have triple a games where are all the triple a games vr needs triple a games and his point is stop saying that we we don't need triple a games right now and he laid out his claim as to why and i agree with a lot of what he's saying I think that's one of the reasons I like his channel. He's, he's kind of very well thought out, and I and I appreciate his opinions on it. So this is a topic that I've been hearing since I got into VR uh, almost two years ago. It's a topic that I think about. Uh, I think any VR enthusiast thinks about the lack of AAA games in VR. And I want to kind of throw my hat in the ring and share some of my thoughts on it. There's going to be a lot of overlap with uh, what Eric did in his video. Uh, and that and that's fine, but um, let's let's talk about why people want or why they say that to begin with. That why they want it AAA games. Um, they say that I'm guessing, and here's my reason for it is because AAA games have a level of polish. So AAA games have really good graphics, really good attention to detail, really real believable worlds, which. You take a game like a AAA game, let's say Red Dead 2. Imagine being in Red Dead 2 in VR. That game is super impressive on flat pancake gaming. Now you're in a VR headset where that world feels so alive with all the time, dedication, money, resources that was put into creating a realistic, huge open world. That's what I want. That's what I think people want when they say they want AAA games. They also want AAA games because AAA games, if there's a single-player experience, at least we'll focus on that for a moment, if it's a single-player experience, then you're at least getting a game that's 10 hours long. 10 hours is almost short in some AAA single-player games, but a 10-hour game in VR, single-player, forget it. I mean, how many of those do we even have? Not a lot. We're sort of got these two-hour experience. If we get a four-hour experience, we're, we're happy and we're raving about it. We highlight that's four-hour experience. But when people say AAA games, I think that's what they want. You talk about sound and music, 
but it's just a level of polish and a level of scope that these other developers and smaller studios or indie developers cannot possibly reach or create in VR. And we know in VR that if we're in a AAA title, how amazing it would be compared to something that somebody's able to build on a shoestring budget with limited time, limited resources, and person power. All right? So that's why people want them. That's why we hear that. What I've always thought, what Eric sort of posits, is that there's downsides to saying, I want to have AAA games. Well, let's think about some AAA games out there. And this kind of speaks to why I sort of got bored of Pancake Gaming. AAA games are usually games that are safe. AAA games are games that cost a studio just so much money to make that they have to guarantee and get a good return, or it can be devastating for these companies. There's so much time, energy, and resources put into them that they cannot afford to make a game that might be risky, might be creatively risky, might be thinking outside the box. They need a hit, so they've got to play it safe by default. That's a huge problem, and and, and playing it safe by default means that we're getting games that are like, um, you know, number two or number three in the series or four or five, right? It's the same thing over and over again. I mean, how many times can they make the same game kind of deal? And that leads to boredom for a lot of us, which is why VR has been a godsend in many ways. I'll kind of wrap that into it and what VR and how that solves the problem. The other thing with uh, AAA games, and I, I think this is a good point that Eric brings up in his video, is that AAA games have built in things like micro transactions and loot boxes and all this kind of junk to generate even more revenue because there is such a need to generate revenue on these games to the point where it might cause harm or imbalance to the game um, it upsets a lot of people so AAA games have a negative and have a downside to them I think VR is gonna grow I think VR is gonna dominate gaming at some point so we're gonna have AAA games coming into the space all right and it's going to be a blessing and a curse unfortunately we're going to see some of the negatives that come along with AAA games but for the time being we have a lot of vr games to play a lot of good vr games to play and right now on my computer i have more vr games to play than i possibly have time to get through and beat i'm sort of overwhelmed by the games I've bought in sales and just have on my computer. There's more games I want to buy, but I can't even get to them. So we're not starving for VR experiences in 2019, not at least in PC gaming. Now, there might be a uh, might be something to be said for the Quest right now. I know their library is a little thin, but more will come. But for PC VR, we've got a lot of options. We've got a lot of good games. And the beauty of it right now is that people are taking chances. People are making creative games. People are exploring what they can do in VR that they can never or have never thought about doing in pancake flat gaming. And it's a really fun time. I'm enjoying it. This is like seeing things anew. This is like when I was a kid and I'm playing the Amiga and on my Amiga computer, you've got some kind of far out, wacky, unique, original games. But there weren't AAA studios back then. You know, there weren't shareholders and stockholders that they had to appease they can just kind of go out and make whatever and we saw that and that's some of the best games are these like man how the heck did they think of it 
Um, one of my let me, let me point to a game on Amiga. This game I think came out in 1986. Let me just double check on that. All right, there we go. So there was this game. This is what I'm thinking of in 1986 called Mindwalker for the Amiga. Now this is an early Amiga game. The graphics weren't super impressive, but they they still kind of looked good. It was simplistic. The premise behind this game is that you're like in somebody's mind and you're trying to navigate through their mind and their synapses and cure like a mental disease. Like it's nuts. Just take a look. Just Google it. Take a look at it. Watch some videos on it. But that's the kind of thing we're not going to see in a AAA game. It's just not going to happen. They're going to play it safe. But in VR, we're seeing unique. We're seeing original games. This is a, a gaming renaissance, if you will. This is why so many people and so many times in in online conversations, I see people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s who have said, listen, I've been a gamer my whole life, and VR is just amazing. VR has rekindled my love for gaming. And that's the that's that's where I fall into VR. That's why I spend so much time now in VR and have pretty much left flat gaming behind. So careful what you wish for. AAA games will come over time. I'm not saying I don't want them. I love the fact that Skyrim was ported over to VR. I have said on past shows I wish they would go back and release older games in VR. It's nice to have that option. But VR is in a great place right now. There's no reason not to jump in and enjoy what we have. There's so many games and so much experiences. Um, so go out there and enjoy them. All right, and now on to this episode's review. And I'm going to be reviewing the game Red Matter. So Red Matter, and again, what kind of prompted me to get this game, I, I got it uh, last week, was the fact that it's coming out for the Oculus Quest and it's being hyped up. So while I don't have a Quest, at least currently, I might get one one day. We'll see. Maybe uh, maybe some Black Friday sales. Who knows? Um, well, I don't have one. I think this review should be relevant enough because it's based on the PC VR game. So Red Matter for PC came out on November 10th in 2018. It's currently... Uh, it's uh, It retails for $24.99. I got it on sale. I think I got it for like $17.99, something like that. So... Let's just call it a $25 game, shall we? It's coming out for Quest tomorrow, August 15th. So what what is Red Matter? What's going on in Red Matter? What is the objective of the game? Let's go to Steam's site so I can read verbatim what this game is about. All right, so on their page, it says, Red Matter is a story-driven VR puzzle adventure game set during a dystopian sci-fi Cold War. Take on the role of Agent Epsilon, an astronaut of the Atlantic Union dispatched to an abandoned Volgravian moon base on a frozen, faraway planet. Your mission? To investigate a shitty top-secret research project. So right now this game is sitting on Steam with uh, reviews are very positive. Recent reviews, it says 100% of 18 reviews and um, all reviews since then, 98% positive. So um, that's very good. You don't get much better than that, right? Well, it's a it's it's a well liked game. So, as the kind of summary says, uh, think of it like the Soviet U.S. Cold War, but they just changed the name. So, it's it's a fictional uh, world, but based on that concept. And for simplicity purposes, you're an agent going into this. Uh, uh, you're an agent for the U.S. Yeah, no, they're not called that. They're Atlantic, but we're gonna keep it simple. 
an agent from the U.S. going into a Soviet base and trying to steal secrets and find out what's going on. I guess it's been abandoned or something. You're 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 trying to kind of solve this mystery while also getting documents. So, as a premise for this game, I think it's a good hook. I think they they're able to have fun with this world that they can create. It's not it's not our world. It's it's kind of based off on that '60s space exploration. So you're going to see maybe some stylings and, and technology around that. Um, they can have fun in blending blending timelines and uh, what's going on there. So it's a, it's a mystery in space. We've kind of seen this before in movies. Leads, it lets them and opens the door to creativity. All right? So let's start first with the graphics. I thought the graphics on this game were fantastic. They're really good. Um, the style is a little hard for me to describe. It's kind of it's kind of bright and cheery almost. I mean, yes, there's a lot of like kind of Soviet red and you see that in the base and yes, the base is dark at parts because you kind of got to power on the electricity, but it's not grim or or, or dirty or or dark or imposing. It's kind of bright and clean if that makes sense. But it looks good. I mean, the 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 graphical quality in this game is really good. It ran well for me. I was able to uh, super sample at 200% on my Windows Mixed Reality, Samsung Odyssey. I've got a 2080 graphics card and an 8086 uh, CPU. So that's what I'm working with. And uh, I had no problems with this game in terms of the frame rate in it. Now the sound is... uh, Actually, you know, let me skip ahead and talk about the controls. Because I want to wrap up sound into the immersion. The controls were kind of well thought out. So... You, you know, traditionally in VR, when you talk about controls, you see your hands, and um, that's, that's what you see, right? Well, in this, you see your hands, but your hands are gripping these kind of controllers. Well, that's cool because, man, in real life, I'm gripping controllers. And these controllers, like the left one, can bring up this um, identification reader. So when you go into the base, none of the, the text, the text, let's call it Russian, <laughs> right? The text is in Russian, and but not really Russian. And you gotta hold up your kind of translator up to it, and it will translate the text. So you're doing that a lot in the game. It's the kind of thing that I feel like somebody might be annoyed with, but it, it didn't really bother me. It was fine. It's like in, in the old school adventure games, if you click, have to click like the look at button, it's sort of like you're doing that for real. Um, but that's like one of the what your controllers is, and one of the controller tabs. Then you hit another tab, it brings up a flashlight. Another tab, it brings up like another claw to grab and interact with things. And then your right one is basically. Um, a claw or things for movement and movement in the game is uh the kind of the two default options they do have smooth locomotion although it wasn't as well implemented as in some games because it's kind of weird i in my controller i had to push down on the trackpad and that would make me like move in whatever direction my controller was facing so it's controller based I think you might be able to change it to head, but it was controller based. So it's weird to push down to like move forward, but that's what you do. You push a button and you move wherever your controller is going. So I guess you can move backwards if you want to twist your hand backwards and push down on the thumb pad, which is a little weird, but hey, they have smooth locomotion. So I'm at least happy about that. I'll, I will settle for that. In an ideal world, they would have mapped it on the Windows Mixed Reality controllers to the joysticks, which you might be able to do on key bindings, but that's not by the default. It's not in the option, so we're just going to stick with that. Um, the other option by default is you can kind of... You, it's, it's sort of like teleporting, but not teleporting. It looks like you're going to teleport because you hold down you hold down the, um, the, um, the pad 
like forward and it will indicate where in the space like a circle where you would go but then you kind of like leap from the ground and you kind of move forward there so again maybe there is like instant teleportation or something like that but the the way the game wants you to do it is to kind of just you float and teleport through the air and, and you physically are, are doing that your your players physically doing it. it's not like you blink and you've teleported so um I think the controls are okay i found myself most of the time using the free locomotion the character doesn't move too fast doing that so if i needed to cover a lot of ground i would just use kind of that like beaming teleport uh, beaming like jump from one space to the other mechanism it's fine controls are fine i like the way they handled the creativity with the hands and holding something it's good not the best thing i've ever seen but gets the job done all right let's talk about sound and wrap it up into immersion because i think that the game has high points to this and i'm going to save the high point for, for the for the last thing here um, but one of the low points to me is the sound in this game there's always some music going on in this game and i think the music is is looping pretty regularly um I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of cheery, kind of spacey, kind of like mysterious sci-fi, but it's not, the music is not terrible. But the problem is it doesn't make for an immersive experience. So think about the premise of this game. You are on a planet, potentially by yourself, entering an enemy space base. Something happened to the inhabitants in that space space who are also your enemy. Shouldn't you be a little creeped out by that? Shouldn't you be a little bit worried by that? Shouldn't you want to almost proceed with caution? Well, there's nothing in the music, at least 99% of the music that is playing through, that helps convey that feeling. And I had a really hard time getting immersed in this game, despite the fact that it looked good, and despite the fact that I wanted to kind of play it through to get to the, the end of this mystery, um, it just sort of failed, I think. And I thought about this a lot. I think it failed on a sound level. Maybe it needed no music, or maybe the music needed to be better. And there are some... I don't want to spoil this game. I'm trying to be careful. There are events, or there are a few moments in this story that's punctuated by an event where the music will dramatically change and convey like kind of this what-the-heck-is-going-on moment. And that's good. The problem is that it's too far in between because the rest of the game, the other 95% of the game, I was just not feeling like I'm in the situation I should be in. I should be apprehensive. I should be a little scared. And here's, a, here's an experiment if you played this game or even if you haven't played this game, I hope, it, I hope to convey this to you. So... Afterwards, or during when I'm playing this game, I, I took a break and I played Doom 3 BFG, game that came out in 2004. Awesome in VR. Awesome in VR. I'll talk more about it sometime. I keep on threatening you to do that. But this is a game where you're in this base station, this space station that's gone to hell, right? And granted, there's, there's enemies that pop out, and that's a scary thing. But even when there's no enemies on the screen, the atmospheric sounds, like the pressure of valves or gas or, or clanking of the metal grates that you're walking on. There's always some ambient noise. And I don't even know if there's mu music per se in the game. It's just like low-level ambient noise that you're in this place all by yourself, all right, save for some monsters, and it is freaky, man. You should be afraid. 
And normally, in a, no, normally there should be more vibrance and activity. And in this base that you're in in Red Matter, you might be by yourself, but that should be creepy. Noises that you normally wouldn't hear when there's a lot of people around, when you hear them like a vent, that should come off as creepy because, man, I shouldn't be able to hear that. What's going on kind of deal. I should be on the edge of my seat. And while I understand this game might not be going for pure or hardcore horror, it should help me be immersed in the situation that's really happening, and I just couldn't do it. So, you know, what ends up happening in this game, and this goes into, you know, my, my, my section that I usually talk about is last ability, but I was motivated to continue playing this game because I want to see what is happening in it. So the, the story, the mystery unfolds as you kind of progress through puzzles and solving puzzles. And a high point in this game is certainly the puzzles. I think the puzzles were well thought out. So you might enter like a room and usually you can't progress to the next room. It's sort, of, it's sort of like an escape room until you solve some puzzles. But the puzzles are tied into like opening doors and going into the next room. So there was never a puzzle that I did where I'm like, wait, that's the solution? I never had to search on my phone. There were some that, that took me a little bit more time. Maybe I had to put the headset down and come back the next day. And when I found the solution, I'm like, oh, duh, of course it's that. So uh, these guys are really good at constructing puzzles that will give you, you know, a sense of accomplishment, but not trip you up and make, not make you want to stop playing the game like some games do. So that's a strong point. It's really good. But re- kept me for wanting to play the game is I wanted to see the end. I wanted to see where the story was going. And while spoiling it, the end was like, okay. All right, I guess. I mean, like, they're, they're, I, I, I sort of walked away a little confused. It's not like it's the most complex thing ever, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all right. It's, it's all right. I just wish that during the game and during this nice kind of base that they build and everything, that there was a little bit more immersion, that the sound kind of came through and, and made me feel like I'm really in this place, in this situation. And I think that's that's the that's the failing of this game, even though um, it's a pretty solid game and good puzzles. So let's let's put a bow on this. Let's wrap this up. Uh, I have a ranking system here, and that is uh, if I give it, it's a one to ten, actually zero to ten. Let's hope we never see that day, right? So zero to two is don't wish this game on your worst enemy. A three to five is we all make mistakes. Six to eight, solid game. Nine to ten is buy it. This game to me, Red Matter, is a 6.5. So it's a solid game, all right? I, you know, I, I got four hours out of it. Four hours or 17 bucks. I felt pretty good about, you know, the graphics and solving some puzzles. If I didn't play it, I wouldn't feel like I missed out on life. If a friend said, what do you think about Red Matter? I'd say, huh, you know, it's, it's not bad. It's all right. It's all right. That's the response to, to Red Matter. I think online, this game is uh, gets much better reviews than what I gave it. So to each their own. You might absolutely love it. If you like puzzle games, but puzzle games that won't frustrate the heck out of you, I think this is a good choice. If you have an Oculus Quest, and you're, you're, you're probably like most people right now, you've had it for a while, and you're starving for more content, here's a four-hour game. Four-hour, solid game. It looks really good from the graphics that I've seen online and, and sort of their trailer that they did highlighting the graphics um i think you'll enjoy it i think it's it's probably a good purchase for you quest owners pc owners your mileage is going to vary i'm not a huge puzzle guy um so if you're like me you could probably do without it 
If you like puzzles, then you're probably going to want to add this game to your collection. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the VR Gaming Podcast. I do want to mention that finally, finally, this podcast can be found on iTunes. So I should have mentioned that at the beginning. What a missed opportunity. It's also on Stitcher, Spotify, and of course you can find it through the web. Thank you for listening. If you would be so kind, since it's now on iTunes and you like what you hear, do me a nice favor and uh, put some kind words up on iTunes. That will help people to find it and help to get more visibility for this podcast. I'm envisioning doing this every two, three weeks now. Or if uh, some pertinent news comes out, like if Oculus Quest is releasing a game that's also on PC, it's a nice opportunity for me to talk about that game to help out Oculus Quest folks and also highlight it to um, some people on the PC, especially if it came out a while ago and you might have missed it. So anyways, thanks for listening, and I will catch you next time.